This is Real Estate Rookie, episode 207. I don't need a lot of information to dive into something. I execute really quickly, where my husband is very much opposite. Like he needs all the details. He maybe is a little bit more emotional about it than I am. Like he needs to be like brought along. And so one of the ways that I got him on board is just by communicating with him, uh, keeping him in the loop about everything that I do, um, and then have really just having him see how it's worked. So like buying this treehouse property was very stressful. It was like a, a nine month ordeal. And I don't think anything could be ever more stressful than that. And so I think that having gone through that really helped him to be see that things can work out and, and just to have the confidence like that we've done this so many times, like we can continue to do it. My name is Ashley Kerr, and I'm here with my co-host, Tony Robinson. And welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast, where every week, twice a week, we bring you the inspiration, information, and stories you need to hear to help kickstart your real estate investing journey. And I'm here with my lovely co-host, Ash. What's going on? What's new uh, in Western Buffalo these days? Um, well, I'm actually leaving Buffalo. I went to Idaho last week and I'm going back to Idaho this is a this recurring weekend. theme. Right? I even this get a, a little Idaho twang. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So I just decided I'm going to take my kids to Idaho this time. I went for a camp uh, conference last week and now we're hopping on a plane Friday and we're going to go to uh, Coeur d'Alene and hang out with some friends. I have a couple friends that are doing a triathlon. So we're going to go watch that and yeah, have some fun. Enjoy it. There you go. And you're headed out today too, somewhere. Yeah, right? not to not to anywhere as fun as no, no. Josh Tree is cool too. Now, but we're heading out to Joshua Tree. So our uh, our new operations manager, she just flew in from North Carolina. Uh, so we're going out there to meet her, so she can get introduced to the whole team. So um, our new assistant we hired, our cleaning crew, our handyman crew, we're all getting together. Just gonna have like a a big team dinner and and all kind of you know just have some good time, have some fun outside of like all the Airbnb stress that that we've created for ourselves. So. Yeah. cool. That sounds fun. Yeah. Um, are you guys gonna stay out there? Are they staying? Is your new operations manager gonna stay in one of the Airbnbs to kind of? She so she's actually staying all week. Yeah. So she's gonna be rotating through a different property each night just so she can cool. kind of get a get a feel for each place. We thought about staying, but we've been traveling so much lately that the thought of like not sleeping in my own bed right now is probably one of the <laughs> worst things that I could think about. So uh we're just gonna sit out there late and then and come back home and sleep in our yeah. own bed tonight. So uh I'm excited about today's episode. Um I thought Amanda was super energetic and she has something really cool that she just invested in and started um, opening. I'm not going to give it away. I'll let you guys listen and, and see what it is, but it's almost run as a short-term rental and a business model, but it's not a house. It's a, something unique that she's doing, but Amanda gives great tips about having um, that work-life balance um, and things that you can kind of do to to keep that. I mean, there's no way to to make your work-life balance perfect or to balance it. If someone says that they have it perfect, they're lying. They're not mm -hmm. telling the truth. They're not being honest. So, um, I think Amanda says like a couple things that can really resonate with you. If that is something that you think you're struggling with is creating your work life lifestyle, I guess we can call it. She also touches on, and I get this question a ton about getting your spouse on board and kind of what that process looked like for her and her husband and, and how, how she was able to navigate that in her own relationship. So just like Ashley said, lots of good nuggets throughout this entire episode. So we're excited to bring you her story. 
Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right, get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com bp. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. Amanda, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Do you want to get started with telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in real estate? Yes, yes. Thank you, uh, Tony and Ashley, for having me. I'm a big fan of the show. I've actually been watching since the beginning, and I've learned a lot from the show. So hopefully today I can pay it forward and somebody somewhere can learn something from me. So um, my name is Amanda Salvage. I'm from uh, Maine, and I live here with my husband, Ross, and I actually have three kids that are five and under. So Ivy, who is five, uh, my middle child, Tatum, who's four, and then my son, Roman, who is almost a year old. He's 11 months old. And so um, busy life. <laughs> I'm a full-time working mom. Um, and then my husband and I, and my husband has a full-time job currently. Um, and then we invest in real estate on the side. And I'm also uh, a licensed real estate agent. So there's a lot of things going on in this house. Just a little busy, right? <laughs> Just a little <laughs> full. I like to say full, not busy, because, you know, we, we've chosen this lifestyle, if you will. Mm. Um, and I, I actually like had a passion for real estate um, for a long time. So when I left college, um, I remember I moved in with my mom and I this is like back in 2008. Um, and I had to ask my mom for like the $500 to get licensed as a real estate agent. And so, cause I had no money, um, and I didn't really know anything about, um, real estate at the time. I just knew that I was interested in it and might want to try like this new career opportunity. 
So I took the agent course and I ended up uh, starting with an agency where there was another younger person. Um, and I was like fresh out of, out of college. He was fresh out of high school. And so neither one of us had ever purchased a house before. And we wanted to like work our way into real estate. And like, if you know, 2008, it wasn't really the ideal time, but we didn't know any different. And we also didn't have any bills. So when we would get a commission for selling a house, like we thought it was a big deal. Like, you know, we would split the commission and we were like living the life. And um, I ended up going a different direction in my career and taking a job for a large bank. Um, And he ended up sticking with real estate and going more towards the investment side. And I had built up this really great career that I'm still in. I've been in it for um, 13 years or so and have had a lot of success. And I kind of like watched him over the years building his business as I was climbing this corporate ladder. Um, And so over the, like, I was just grinding. So I ended up getting married, having a couple of children. I was working so much and I would leave the house at like 6.45 a.m., drop my kids at daycare, drive 45 minutes to work, work. You know, there was a point where I had like 200 um, colleagues reporting to me. I had a huge team. And I just thought like this was my life. I was going to be like some sort of CEO of the company. Um, But it was it was hard and it was tiring and I was traveling a lot. And I it was such a like a fast paced lifestyle that I when the pandemic hit, Um, and things drastically changed for me. I ended up working from home. Um, I had a lot of, I, at that time I was working on projects. So a little bit different than managing people. Um, so when they were having everybody work from home, all the projects were put on hold. And so I was at home, my children were still in daycare and I have, I had never really like been alone that much in my whole life. And so I, it was right when the Real Estate Rookie podcast started. And I always in the back of my mind knew I wanted to do something in real estate. I just was so busy that I never took the time. Like every now and then I would um, go look at a rental property over the years or my husband and I did a couple of like accidental live-in flips. We Our first purchase was Actually, a house hack, like un- an unknowing house hack. We had his brother. We've had a lot of those on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess I'm a genius. I invented house hacking. <laughs> um, like we we were offsetting our mortgage with him living there. And so we had done like a few little things. We had made some money um, selling houses and buying other houses. Um, and so we knew a little bit about real estate. We had bought a few houses. Um and so I started listening to Real Estate Rookie and the Bigger Pockets podcast. And I met up with my friend um, who was like such a mentor to me, Matt, and the one that I originally was working with. Um, and he had done a ton of flips and pretty much every different kind of investment that you can think of in Maine he had done. And so he um, has guided me over the past couple of years. And in that first, uh, in 2020, I, within like six months, I would say, of going down this journey of kind of just like learning how I can invest, I purchased uh, three properties. I was pregnant for all three of those. Um, So it's a little bit crazy. Uh, And then 
in this past, so those are three like long-term rentals. And then um, recently, within the past couple of months, I closed on another property, which is three short-term rentals. So taking advantage of um, that vacation market here in Maine. Um, and they're actually kind of like a unique property. Uh, they're treehouse rentals. And oh, it's, we got to dive into that for sure. Yeah. Treehouse yeah. rentals. I don't. I don't think I've. Uh, I don't think we've had anyone on the podcast that has something as cool and unique as that. But no. but before you keep going, man, I just want to clarify. So you you started your journey in 2020. Um, just kind of set the table for us. How many units are you currently at today in total? Yeah. So I have three um, single family homes that are long term rentals, and then I have three short term uh, vacation rentals. That is amazing growth in a relatively short period of time. Um, and there, there's a couple of things I want to go back to uh, before we keep going. So first, you mentioned that you're, you're you know, you, you have this friend where you guys kind of started in real estate at the same time. You decided to climb the corporate ladder. He decided to build his real estate business. And both of those decisions are totally fine, right? Like like you made the decision that you felt was best for your family. He made, you know, he made the one that he felt was best for him. Um, but it, it just always, I think, stands out to me how society kind of preaches us and, and coaches us to want to climb this corporate ladder where, you know, and a lot of people who climb the corporate ladder quickly, they're people who are ambitious, they're people who are driven, they're people who are disciplined. And it's like, if you took that same drive, ambition and discipline and applied it to a business that you owned yourself, like how much could you do in 13 years? Yes. Right. And and it's in, like, we just saw what you did from 2020, right? You're at six units in, in like two, two years, maybe imagine what you could have done in 13 years. And obviously I'm, I'm not saying this to poke fun at you, but it's just like, I think that's, it's a, it's a lesson that I think a lot of the rookies need to hear is that if you apply apply that same level of focus and dedication that you give to your day job to a business that you own yourself, you will be, you know, mind blown with the the achievements you can you can reach in a short period of time. Yes. And like I think about that all the time. You know, it's like hard to look back and think, oh man, those properties I was looking at were so cheap. I wish I bought them. But honestly, like the what I've learned in my corporate job is completely invaluable. Like I would not be able to do even what close to what I've done if I didn't have that experience. Um, especially um, with the projects that I work on and like being able to manage change is has been really helpful to me. And and the other thing is, um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of uh, the Strength Finder. Yeah. I think it's called like the Gallup Strength Finder test. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so that's something that I had taken through my uh, corporate job. And one of the, it's funny you mentioned it, Tony, like one of the, my top strengths is an achiever. And so always looking to like, you know, do the next thing, get the next thing. And and I found that, um, so I always thought like, I wouldn't be satisfied, like not having my corporate job, but I found that like, it's just as satisfying, like closing deals and, and not only that, but in the, this past year, I also got relicensed again, um, as an agent really just because I was my my sister was representing me and she was like getting all these commissions off of me and I knew how to do it. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, like I could be putting this money back into the deal um, or back into a rehab. And so if I know how to do it, it's it's awesome. Like I I can put in an offer at 11 o'clock at night without having to bother anyone. And so other things have kind of like fallen into my lap, I guess. I didn't intend to be representing anybody, but I like to specialize in helping like newbie investors. Um, and I found like a lot of um, success in that and just enjoyment. So it's exciting. 
I love seeing the growth, Amanda, and I think it's a testament to what to what can happen when you really narrow in and focus on building a business for yourself as opposed to, to just kind of climbing that corporate ladder. One other thing you mentioned I want to go back to is the the time piece, right? So just so I clarify for me, are you are you still working your, your day job as well? Yes. So you've got your you've got your day job. You have uh, a family, three small children underneath the age of five, um, and you're you're building the short-term rental business. That is a lot to manage. That is a lot to 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 kind of keep all the you know the the, the you're juggling a lot of things. I guess is what I'm trying to say. So how are you managing your time right now? Like how are you making time to fulfill your your work requirements, your your family requirements, and still focus on building this business on the side? Yeah, it's not easy, um, but it's worth it. Like, I think that if you have like a really strong why, um, it makes everything worth it in the end. So like I do a few different things. One, I try to involve my kids as much as possible. So I know that like sometimes you can let your why become your excuse. And so obviously I'm doing this to have more time freedom with my kids in the future. Um, But that doesn't mean that I can't um, have them tag along now. And so I bring them to showings like my kids have been to so many properties and so many showings like uh, and sometimes I will say like the properties are so sketchy like I I went to one a few weeks ago and I brought my kids and I ended up saying like, hmm. I'm going to lock the doors, like just stay in the car, just stay in your car seats. Like I'll be right back. This is going to be really fast. I know it's going to be fast because there's not much to look at and it's disgusting. So when I came back out, there was a woman like circling my car. I think so they had gotten out of their car seats and they were like pounding on the back door. And I think that she thought I like kidnapped them or something. And I'm like, they're mine. They're okay. And she's like, okay. Like I wasn't sure what's going on here. And so that was like just a funny story, but they've been to a lot of properties. One of uh, one of them they call like the trash house. Like I try to get them to help. Like we they filled dumpsters with trash before. Um, the other thing I do is like just small like actionable things. I try to sneak into pockets of my day. So for example, today I'm working from home. I work from home most days. I have a really flexible schedule, and I'm very fortunate for that. Um, but I knew I had to. There's a property that I want. I I had a tenant reach out to me yesterday that she wants to move out. She's on a month to month lease at this point. She's been there for a while. And um, so I want I knew that this was an opportunity where I might want to sell and scale up. And so I knew I had to call contact a 1031 lawyer today. And so during my lunch break, I made that phone call um, and it took 15 minutes. And it's just like one thing that I could sneak in. So like nights, weekends, um, just in between calls that I'm on. Um, I have a lot of vacation time. So like whenever we close on a property, I always take a week of vacation um, to do whatever needs to be done to get it ready to rent. Um, And then uh, anything that can be automated, I love putting processes in place. So um, for example, on our short-term rentals, uh, we have automated messages that go out like right when they book, they do auto book and then they get a, a message from us. Um, I don't have to search for properties like I have certain um, searches on the MLS that come right to me. Um, So I just check my email like I try to um, have as many processes as possible. Um, And the other thing is I have like a really supportive husband. So and it it wasn't always that way. Like he he and I are very, very different. Um, Another test that I had taken actually through work is called the Colby have you guys heard of that one? It's um, Mm-mm. it's like your MO, your method of operation. So it's like how you operate. 
And it's really important to know how you operate in comparison to the people that you work with. And so for me, one of one of the things that it determined was that I'm a, something called a long quick start, which means that I don't need a lot of information to dive into something. I execute really quickly, where my husband is very much opposite. Like he needs all the details. He maybe is a little bit more emotional about it than I am. Like he needs to be like brought along. And so one of the ways that I got him on board is just by communicating with him, uh, keeping him in the loop about everything that I do, um, and then have really just having him see how it's worked. So like buying this treehouse property was very stressful. It was like a, a nine-month ordeal. And I don't think anything could be ever more stressful than that. And so I think that having gone through that really helped him to be see that things can work out and, and just to have the confidence like that we've done this so many times, like we can continue to do it. And, and a huge win for us, and I'm so excited for him, is he actually put in his notice at his um, corporate job. And he's done a lot of things on the side. He has like other businesses on the side that he's managed over the years. And so he's going to kind of dive into that. But he's also in the wintertime going to um, help us to build this business uh, even bigger. So I'm excited to see what happens with that. Amanda, I want to touch on the the mom piece of it, because this is a question I'm sure you get asked a lot is how do you balance it all? And it's a question that I get to. And honestly, I hate the question because I think a majority, large majority of the time it's asked to the moms and not the dads. Mm -hmm. And my husband should be the one that's getting asked that question. I mean, he works way more than me. He takes all the kids to their doctor's appointment. And I, I love that you said that part of why you can juggle it all is because you have a, a great spouse to, to co-parent with. And, and that's the same with me too. And so I dislike that question because I feel like it's, especially now, I feel like that the household kind of responsibility has really shifted 50-50, where it's a lot more of husbands and wives, you know, taking on the responsibility of the children and the housework where, yeah, maybe 20 years ago, it was, you know, the wife would stay at home, she'd balance everything, maybe have a career. Um, so I, I always find that that question interesting. And I really liked how you said, don't make your why become your excuse. And that, that resonated with me so much because I felt so much mom shame and guilt when I first started building my business. And I was not, you know, present all the time. I was not doing everything my children needed. I was, you know, handing them off to my mom to babysit sometimes so I could get work done. I was working late hours. Um, you know, my, my husband would take them out to the barn and, you know, do stuff with them around the farm because I was working. And I think that because I didn't fit the mold that, you know, my mom had done as staying home with the kids and everything, it was really hard for her to watch uh, me not be that. But for me, it was, okay, my kids are young. And everyone would say to me, your kids are only young ones. Well, my kids are only 10 ones. They're only 15 ones. They're only 20 ones. And when I look back at my childhood, I don't remember being two. I don't remember being four. But I remember as I got older, what my life was like and what my relationship was like with my parents and what, you know, we had, we had a great life. I, I'm not complaining about that, but I want, you know, I want to have that, t the time after I've built my business to spend more time with my kids and have that flexibility and that spontaneity as they're older. So you saying, don't use your why as your excuse. Like, oh, you know what? I, I need to hang out with my kids this weekend instead of going to look at that property. 
And then even including them. I think that's hard sometimes to figure out a way to include your kids in your work and it doesn't seem like you're dragging them along. Well, a couple things you can do is pay them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then you can put open up their own uh, retirement account because they have earned income now too. Mm-hmm. My five-year-old, he loves to go to properties if I give him a GoPro. I give him a GoPro and he is in charge of recording that whole property. When I took him to Seattle a couple of weeks ago, I have footage of inside of every single cabinet and cupboard of that house. <laughs> but just like finding little ways for them to be involved and give them a little responsibility, I feel like has really helped my kids want to be part of our businesses. And the same with the farm. My husband, my eight-year-old, I mean, he works on the tractors. He's got his own tools. He knows how to change and fix different things on the tractors that I have no idea about. And I've just been kind of watching and learning. And I think that that kids really do start to enjoy being involved in some of those things that they have the responsibility and have a, a fun little little job to do. And it makes them seem like they're important too. I just want to add, because I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that that statement, because I had that written down and circled on, on my paper as well, that, you know, your, your why can be an excuse. And I think especially for people that are balancing uh, family responsibilities or any responsibilities for that matter with trying to build a real estate business, it's easy to say, oh, I can't do this because of my kids or, oh, I can't do this because of my job or I can't do this because of my you know c- community obligations. But if anything, it should be flipped the other way to where it's like, I have to do this because of my kids or I have to do this because of my whoever. Like, you know, I've, I've shared many times in the podcast before, right, that I, I was 16 when my son was born. And, you know, I know a lot of other teenage parents that, you know, went down a different path. And for me, it was like, I, I have to figure this out because I need to be there for him. So I, I have to go out and get a college degree. I have to go out and build a business. I have to go out and do these things because I want to make sure that I can provide for him, that I can provide for my family. So yeah, I mean, that, that really stuck with me too, Amanda. So I'm, I'm so glad you, you shared that. Tony, I want to ask you real quick, how many times have you been asked that? Like, how do you juggle family and raising your kids? It, it I, you know, actually, I have gotten that question quite a bit, but I think I'm also yeah. I'm also very vocal about how important my family is to me. Yeah, you know, so I, I think that's what what kind of leads into those questions more often than not. But I can say I've never, I don't think anyone's ever made me like feel guilty about building my business while also trying to be a parent. Yeah, yeah, and the way I look at it is like, you know, I could continue down this path of like climbing this corporate ladder and seeing my kids even less, or I could see them a little bit less now and then hopefully have the time freedom in the future. So I think of that meme that always goes around. I think I shared it once on Instagram. It's like, you know, the old flex was like nice cars and houses, but the the new flex is like time freedom. Mm -hmm. And I so resonate with that. And that's like all we want really in life, my husband and I. Yeah. I, and I think that's a great example how we, what you just said right there. Like, yeah, I am gone traveling sometimes for three, four days at a time. But then when I'm home, I get to be super present with my kids because those plane rides, I, man, I pound out work during those. Yeah. And so, and that's different. Like, yeah, there's somebody else that could be, well, I'm home every night to put my child to bed and you're not. And, but yes, you're gone five days a week, nine to five. Like, you know, so the, it, every situation is different, but And it's however you want to look at it. But I agree with you. Like it's that time freedom. And, you know, my kids, 
they get that and I can be more present too. And I think that's a huge thing as a parent is being able to not only have your kids in the same room, but being present and being able to enjoy that time. And that's what I, I really strive for too, Amanda. Okay. So let's push the mom, Amanda away and uh, let's get back into just you as a real estate investor. Um, so let's, um, let's talk about how you're financing your deals, how you're finding your deals. Um, are you still active as a real estate investor now? Or I'm sorry, a real estate agent? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I, to I both, go, yeah. <laughs> yes to both. I'm doing both. Um, really though, I, you know, I obviously don't have the time that I would like to have for, um, being a realtor. Um, hopefully in the future, when I do eventually leave my corporate job, I definitely want to do that more. So right now I just focus on anybody who comes to me that, um, is like a newbie investor really. And, and I, the way that I differ than other agents is being able to understand what they're trying to do because I've done it and I am an investor and then helping them to really run the numbers and understand the numbers um, is very important. And I don't see a lot of agents, especially here in Maine, that are able to do that for clients. Um, and then, yes, I'm I'm investing actively. <laughs> I've actually, um, like I said, I'm I'm looking to do a 1031 exchange on a property. This will be my first time doing that, um, so I'm super excited, and, and it will force me to take action because I had set a deadline for myself that I was going to buy my first uh, multi unit by. August 8th actually was like my deadline to be under contract that I had set for myself. Um, So this opportunity coming up randomly where this tenant wanting to move out by the end of the month was actually like really cool. It's a blessing and it's just going to force me to find that deal um, quickly. And so um, Amanda, what what, real quick, what can you explain what a 1031 exchange is for somebody who doesn't know? So I haven't done one before and I'm not an expert, but I did talk to a uh, attorney today. And basically when I sell the property that I'm looking to sell, uh, the money that I make will be held in an account and then I'll have 45 days to identify a property um, and then I'll have 180 days to close. So he said that the best way to do it is to identify a property that I'm under contract in. Um, just to ensure, because if you identify, let's say three properties and you don't go under contract on any of them, you actually get your money back on day 46 and you have to pay taxes on it. So it's really important to be under contract uh, and for that to go through. So I will be taking very quick action um, after I sell. So the tenant will be out at the end of the month. I'll list it. um, And then they just need the information to hold the funds. Yeah, so we did a 1031 exchange last summer. And the the big benefit with the 1031 is that you're able to take 100% of the profits from a sale of a property and roll all of those funds tax-free into the next property. So you don't have to pay any taxes on what you gain from the sale of the property. Um, just one piece of advice for you, man. I'm glad you mentioned it. But yeah, like we when we did our 1031 exchange, we waited a little bit too long to start identifying that next property. And it was bonkers last summer, right? Like trying to find good deals out there. So we were like, oh my God, it was like one of the most stressful things we've done was like trying to find that property before that that time, uh, that time uh, like elapsed on us. So um, it's definitely a, a very... Uh, beneficial product for folks that are investing in in real estate. Yeah. And the market here in Maine is like very crazy. Um, So it will be really important for me to 
identify a property right away. Um, the other thing about it too that I learned was uh, it has to be like a like property. It can't be worth less than what you're selling for. So I, and I wasn't planning on that anyway. Like I'm trying to scale it into a bigger building. Um, I was looking at a few six units. Um, and so it doesn't have to be like if it's a single family, it doesn't have to be another single family. You can do something. It just has to be more expensive, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And that money doesn't even have to cover the cost of the property of what your profit is. So say you're profiting a hundred thousand, you doesn't mean you have to go and buy a hundred thousand dollar property. You could buy a million dollar property and just put, use that hundred thousand as part of your down payment. And then maybe bring another, you know, hundred thousand for of cash for the, the extra 10% of the 20% down payment, and then go and get a mortgage for, you know, the rest of the 80% too. So that is kind of like the the great advantage of the the 1031 exchange too, is when you, you are able to scale up so quickly using that. And speaking of scale, that kind of leads me into my, my next question. So Amanda, you, you've scaled pretty quickly um, in the last couple of years. Um, so just, sorry, just to remind me, so you bought that first single family residence, like how long ago, uh, like a year and a half, two years ago? Yeah, so it was in fall of 2020. Okay, so we're coming up on two years. I didn't have a full two years yet. So to go from zero to six units in about a year and a half is pretty impressive. So I think the question that jumps out uh, at me that a lot of rookies are probably thinking is, how the heck are you funding all of these properties? So can you walk us through maybe just a few of the deals here, but how have you been able to finance and, and fund all of these purchases? Yeah, so huge mistake on my first one. And I really just wanted to like get one. Um, but I ended up putting doing traditional financing like in my own name um, as an investment property and putting, uh, I think it was 20% down at the time, just of money that I had saved, um, which was, you know, fine. I, I wouldn't change it because I obviously learned a lot from doing that deal. And it was it's five minutes away from my house. Like it's right down the road. And so it's really convenient. Um, and it's appreciated a lot even since then. So it's mm -hmm. another one that I like kind of want to see how this exchange goes and then maybe turn that into something bigger as well. Um, so then the second one, that was bef when I did the first one, it was prior to reading um, David Green's book on the Burr method. And so I didn't really understand until I read that, I didn't really understand how people were coming up with all this money um, and putting 20% down on every single property. And so I didn't want to lose another 20%. So it was like such an aha moment to find that book. And then I was still like hesitant to use a, a lender or a private lender. To, so I ended up, I knew that I had to do cash offers to get any deals around here because it, the market was crazy and it still is. Um, so I ended up getting a home equity loan and it wasn't enough for the property that the second property I was trying to buy. So instead of just use and I, you just don't know what you don't know. I, I would do this different as well, but I took out a personal loan, uh, to offset the amount. So I was using some cash that I had a personal loan and then my home equity to buy the property in cash. Um, and then I, I bought a property that didn't need a ton of work. And so there wasn't a huge value add option there. Um, so I did a cash out refi. And because I it, this was like only my second, I wasn't able to get more than I think it was like 70% out. So I ended up leaving a little bit of money in that deal. Um, so 
the third try around was like my like golden one. And I'll talk about that when we do the deal deep dive. But I was I used a private um, hard money lender on that one. And it went much more smoothly. Amanda, I've never used a personal loan before. Can you talk about what the process is for that and how you would get one and maybe what the terms look like? Yeah. So you obviously have to have good W-2 income to be approved and like good debt to income. Um, That's the good thing about having a W-2 job is like it's going to be really hard for me to one day walk away from this because I can get a loan for anything, anytime, anywhere. It's very easy for me to get loans. Um, you don't have to rub it into mine and Tony's face. (laughs) I don't have a problem. (laughs) Right. So if anybody wants to partner out there, that is like my superpower is that I can get a loan from anybody. Um, and so I just, uh, it was just a small bank around here. They do a personal loan. I think it was like 9%, which in comparison to hard money is like a really good rate. Um, and it was really, I think it was like a $50,000 loan and I was just paying, um, it was amortized maybe over five years. So the payments were kind of high. Um, and I just paid the payments for a few months. I think it was three months until I could do the cash out refi. And I did a commercial um, loan on that was my first commercial doing it under an LLC and took out as much as I could and paid off the loan. That's awesome. That's like uh, kind of using credit cards, I guess, in a sense, yeah. um, but uh, definitely a lower interest rate than if you were to use a credit card. Um, there are the zero percent interest credit cards out there too. But the thing I, f- I find that's hard for me with that is a lot of contractors won't take credit cards so that, you know, you can use your credit card for materials all day long, but for the actual labor, maybe a personal loan um, is a great way to go to, to pay contractors. Yes. And some some small banks also have something called a personal line of credit as well, where it's uh, more of a variable rate, just like a home equity line of credit, just a little bit higher because it doesn't have uh, the asset. Before we move off of that, so uh, we talked about the personal uh, the personal loan, but can you just walk through for someone that isn't familiar with the HELOC, what exactly is a HELOC and what was the process for obtaining that that loan as well? Yeah, so a HELOC is, and this is where my banking expertise comes into play. I used to be a manager of a bank like when I first started in banking. Um, so I had done a lot of HELOCs. Um, so basically it's a line of credit um, using the equity in your primary residence. And um, small banks tend to have really good rates, like there's barely any closing costs. Um, So whatever your house is appraised for, um, you can usually, in some cases, you can do up to 90% loan to value. So depending on how much you owe on your mortgage, um, you're able to take that equity. um, And it's, it's just like a credit card, like Ashley said. So if you don't use it, it just sits there. And then if you do use it, it's interest only payments, usually for like the first 10 years, some of them are different. Um, So really small payments. And so it's really nice to be able to fund your own cash deals, pay interest only for however long you're doing the rehab, and then pay it off when you do the refinance after the project's done. So really good tool. Not a lot of people are comfortable using their personal asset. And I get that. But in our case, we we've never like seen the risk because we have so much equity in our home um, that we're comfortable doing it. Yeah. So I love, Amanda, that you use like a a collection of different funding sources to try and get all this done. Like I think for a lot of rookies, when they when they think about financing and funding that first deal, they're just thinking, how much money do I have? And, you know, 20 percent down. 
but there's so many other options out there. And as you start to do more deals, you get a, a broader exposure to the types of options that are available to you. Like for us in our flips, like right now we use 100% private money for all of our flips, right? So we, we do all the work, the investor gets a really good return on their private money. And then we get to, you know, we get to participate in the upside as well. So like, as you do more deals, you get more comfortable, more confident with the different options that are out there to you. So we appreciate you, uh, appreciate you sharing that. I want to talk a little bit about um, about your spouse before we we do the the Ricky deal review. Um, so I I invest with my wife like she's my my actual business partner. Like we we talk business you know all day every day. Um, and Ashley shared her experience right where where her husband is is supportive of her investing in real estate, but he's not involved in the day to day running of the business. Um, and you, you kind of mentioned that your husband was maybe somewhat opposed to investing in real estate to begin with. So what was your process for getting your spouse on board? I think that's a question a lot of new rookies have because, you know, you're drinking the Kool-Aid, you're listening to the podcast and and they're kind of off living their own world. So what was that process like for you? Yeah. So fortunately for me, my husband trusts me very much. And so if I tell him, you know, that it's a good deal and we're going to buy it, like he will eventually get on board, even if he like puts up, you know, his hands like tries to stop me like he has many times, um, he'll eventually like come around. So he just needs to feel like he understands it. So I always have to go through like the numbers with him. Um, and not only that, but I've sent him so many podcasts, like he'll listen to podcasts while he's at his corporate job. Um, and I've had him, he's read books. He actually read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, and so he's, and then just like from experience, he's started to, um, understand how it works. And like, I think his biggest fear going into this was like, he didn't want to get those calls like in the middle of the night, right? Like there's water coming through the ceiling or whatever the horror stories are that you hear. And so having had a couple of rentals for over a year now, and like, we've never really had anything crazy happen. Um, where we get calls in the middle of the night. You know, we did have one incident happen recently, but it was during the day. <laughs> and it's like, there's always a solution. So you can always just find the person that you need to find to help you through that. So in this case, the uh, furnace was leaking water. Um, we were able to quickly get uh, somebody over there. They needed to put an expansion tank, um, add an expansion tank, and it was a few hundred dollars. And so it wasn't the end of the world. It was taken care of really quickly. Um, and so the more times you go through that, I think you just start to build your confidence. So another quick story, um, I actually partner with my sister on the treehouse property, and she's the one who operates the uh, property. So it's, we haven't talked about this yet, but it's more than just treehouse rentals. It's kind of like a little business because there's an 18 hole disc golf course and there's a little store there and like multiple income streams. And so she's the one who's on site dealing with that. And the first, so we closed uh, April 19th. We accept, started accepting bookings for Memorial Day weekend. So the first weekend that we had somebody staying there, I actually, I don't know how my number got involved, but I actually got a call at 10 p.m. And the people staying in our biggest treehouse said that the fridge is no longer working. And so my sister was super stressed out. She was so worried. And I was like, listen, bring a cooler over there, get their food on ice 
and we'll have a fridge there in the morning and we'll replace it. Like it is what it is. Like, this is no big deal. I had just replaced like a stove at another property that I have. Like we're going to take care of it. And so once she went through that, she was like, oh, wow, like no big deal. And, and we actually got a really good review. Um, our first review was from them and they were super happy with how we handled it. Um, so, you know, it just takes time for some people and just to like live through it. Amanda, I think that what you did there was you you communicated with uh, the guests. And I think that goes like a long way instead of like panicking and being like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And kind of like avoiding the guests, you figure it out and you took action, even though it wasn't bringing in a brand new fridge right away, it was at least something. And I think that, you know, when I was a, did my own property management, that went such a long way is making an effort in the communication opposed to just like, okay, sorry, we can't get a fridge there until tomorrow or something, but doing every little thing you can do. And Tony, I'm sure, I think I've seen you and Sarah make videos, how even just refunding some money can show like that you're making an effort and you like understand that this is a huge convenience and it's actually turned around to be into your favor too. So I think that's like a, a great tidbit on the, the property management side, whether short-term or a long-term rental too. Yeah. Whether you need to buy or sell or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find the home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours, even the same day, with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. Rookies, 2024 is the year to start protecting your rental properties with an LLC. But you don't have to do all the paperwork and filing yourself. Corporate Direct is your professional and affordable option for getting your LLC done right. They handle the state filings, draft your operating agreement, and act as your registered agent. They'll even help you comply with the Corporate Transparency Act, a new federal disclosure law affecting every real estate investor. Corporate Direct is a family business founded by attorney, author, and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton over 35 years ago. Now, his son Ted is a licensed attorney working with him. Together, they've helped thousands of real estate investors form and maintain their LLCs and protect their assets. If you're trying to build a real estate portfolio, do not skip the LLC. Head over to corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with an incorporating specialist. Mention Real Estate Rookie and get a $100 discount on your formation. That's corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. 
Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So Amanda, are you going to do the treehouse for your deal that we go over? Or are you going to do a different one? Because, you know, hearing multiple income streams, that just gets me turned on in general. So we can do both if you want. <laughs> we can do both because that one's not as exciting because we don't have like a lot of the finances where we just started. This is like our first full month is June. Yeah. Um. So I have a little bit of like information on that one, but I wanted to do another one that was. Uh... Okay. Let's just, since we're on the treehouse one, just give us a little backstory on like, how did you even come about this? Um, yeah. And then we can go into the, we don't have to have to go into the numbers on it. We can do that on the other one if you want. Yeah. So my sister, who's the realtor actually found the, found the deal. Um, and so my, so I have two sisters, (laughs) the one that's the realtor found the deal. The other one is the one that I partner with. So she knew that my, that I'm always investing in real estate and I, she knows I want, um, I wanted to do vacation rentals. I wasn't thinking of tree houses. I was thinking more of like on the coast of Maine, um, like the beach. But um, this one came up and my older sister had expressed that like she was she had been in a career for 15 years where she sits at a computer all day long. And she had been talking for like the year before about how she wants to do something different. Like she wants to figure something else out. There's more to life than just staring at a computer for like nine hours a day. You don't say. Yeah, right. And so <laughs> my little sister who found it was like, sent text it to us. She's like, you guys, I mean, like, you have to see this. And so the three of us ended up going out there to look at it. And um, it was so just a little information on it. it was, so it was owned by like a family. And they um, had shut down like when COVID happened. And they I think the family had like a falling out and they were never able to really get it back up and running. It had only been running since like 2015. And so what the owners did was they turned it into their primary residence and um, waited two years. And then so we we went under contract last fall, but we weren't able to close until this April because they wanted to not have to pay capital gains, which was actually really smart when they sold it. So that's great for them. But what was difficult about this is um, people were passing it up and banks were passing it up because there's no financials for the past two years because they've been living there. Um, and so it made it really difficult. Um, they didn't have like, they did have some old tax returns, but they had very creative tax strategies. Like it just wasn't looking good. However, I knew that the numbers were good. I knew what we could rent it for. And there are actually a couple other treehouse rental properties in Maine. Um, that I had used and uh, they work a 100% booked like for the for a couple years out. And so I knew that these would book. 
And um, I knew that we could make it work somehow because there was more than just uh, the rentals. The rentals are the big moneymaker, but there's also other ways to make money there. And and for us, like we have made a bunch of apparel that we're selling and like just the, it, the options are endless. It's really cool. Um, so we, it was, uh, it was on the market for seven twenty five, and we got it under contract for seven ten. Um, and I had talked to a commercial lender prior to that. And I was like, you know, um, do you think I would be approved for something like this? Like, I know I can usually get loans like, and he's like, oh yeah, like this shouldn't be a big deal. Um, so I had, I knew we couldn't close until April. So I didn't start the application process until January. And so when I actually did it and we didn't have the financials because it was more of like a business, it was making the financing really difficult and actually made me question a few times, like if we were even going to be able to get a loan on it. We looked down the SBA route, which is very expensive. Um, And so I talked to my, this is where like networking comes into play. I randomly talked to my CPA about it, who's awesome. uh, And he recommended a smaller bank. And so I went through this smaller bank and we got pretty far down the application process and they just decided they weren't interested. So it was like a little bit risky for them. Like we were having a hard time getting insurance. Like they just thought it was too risky and we didn't have a relationship with that bank. So we were like a couple months out at this point and I started to get super nervous. We had put a lot of money into it. We had already started the branding. Um, so we were we were in deep and Uh, I ended up going with, so my friend, Matt, who was my uh, mentor who I've uh, used to work with, he got me in touch with a smaller bank and he's like, if these guys can't do it, like just go to them. And so uh, it's a smaller bank here in Maine and they had some common sense because like all four of us, my sister, her husband, my husband, we all had full-time jobs. Like we can afford a $3,300 mortgage or whatever it was. And so um, they really looked at it like objectively and they're the type of bank where they can just make those decisions. We were talking to the decision maker, which is really nice. And so he was like, yeah, like we're going to do it. Like this makes total sense. I know you guys can do it. We had to do a business plan for him. Um, And then the the next hurdle was that nobody would go out there to appraise it. So this is in Stona, Maine. It's like Western Maine, um, winter time, snow. You'd have to hike to the tree houses. Like nobody would do it. So we found one man who who would do it like a couple weeks out from the closing, and he cost five thousand dollars out of pocket. And so we had to pay that, oh knowing that there's an opportunity that this might, like there's not a lot of comps. Like, what are they going to use? They they ended up using like some campgrounds and stuff. But if it came in really low and the sellers wanted to pull out, we're out the five grand for the appraisal and the money that we've put in like to start our branding and all of that. So, um, and all the time, and we had been in this for like nine months at this point. So there was a lot on the line. Um, And anyway, it ended up working out just fine. It appraised at what it needed to. We actually got it for a little bit less. Um, And but then we were on a time crunch because the busy season in Maine was starting right away. We closed on April 19th. We started booking them on Airbnb the very next day. I got it right up. And then uh, we knew we were going to have guests on the 27th of of May. So we had like a little over a month. And in Maine right now, like one of the huge challenges is getting people to work. Like you can't 
find anybody. Everybody is booked out for everything, painting, you know, contractors, everything. And so especially in this location with like a property like tree houses, like it's just impossible. So we had to like bust our butts to clean these places out. They had, they had been dormant for two years. So they're really dirty. A lot of stuff, a lot, we wanted to upgrade the furnishing. So we got a dumpster and me and my sister were out there like every day, just like throwing things out of tree houses, like getting them all cleaned up, doing it all ourselves. And not only like getting the rentals ready, but we had to learn how to set up a business. Like everything costs money when you start a business. So a lot of things we tried to do ourselves, like I built a website, we, you know, we had to get merchant services and um, QuickBooks and all of these things set up. So it's a huge learning curve. Um, But it's like at the point where we can kind of breathe now, we've had some guests, like we're operating. um, And I feel kind of like I could buy another business. Like, you know, I I was like talking to my husband, like, do you need a website? Like, I know how to build a website now. Like, let's do it. <laughs> so yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of a Heather Blankenship story where uh, yeah. she bought her, her first RV park. Um, and, you know, she was like, you know, building the plane while she was flying it. Right. And, and I think she said she like literally lived at the campground. She was like sleeping like in the in the back office. My sister lives there. Yeah. 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 I, I, I love the grind. But like you said, when you when you do it one time, it, it really builds that confidence to, to kind of move on to the next piece. Um, well, thank you for sharing that story, man. We, we got to keep in touch so you can share um, share how this this turns out for you once you guys are once you guys are up and running. Yeah, if anybody wants to like see or rent a place or see what we have, our website um, goes to our social media too, and it's in the trees main.com. So the name of the property is in the trees. Tony, rookie road trip. Let's do it. There we go. <laughs> Stone of Maine. I've never been before, but I'm I'm down. Yes. Play some disc golf. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's uh let's check out your other deal. Um we'll just give you some rapid fire questions. Um real quick about it if you just want to give us some short answers and then we can just kind of go through the numbers through it so uh what strategy is this property this is a burr okay and where is it located so it's actually in waterboro maine which is a very random small town and how much did you purchase it for so i purchased it for 159 and how did you find the deal So it was actually on the MLS. And at the time, I was putting a lot of offers in. Um, I put in an asking price offer, uh, thinking I would never get it. And I didn't. Um, And I kept putting other offers in. And then they actually came back to me. Um, So I'm not sure what happened. But like weeks later, they came back and said, we'll accept your offer. Um, But just so you know, this is a short sale which is very rare right now. Like who has a short sale? So the downside of a short sale is that uh, it takes a few months to close. They're, they're slow. Ever. Yeah. And so I think that's why some other people may have walked away from it. And not only that, but there was a lien on the property. So it was in an association and they hadn't paid in a couple of years. So there's like a couple thousand dollars um, that needed to be paid off at closing. So I was willing, it, it still worked for my numbers. So I was willing to pay that and wait the three months just because I wasn't getting any other deals at the time. Um, and so... Yeah, MLS. How did you uh, finance the deal then? So then this is my first time using a hard money lender. Um, and this was actually a guy that my husband worked with. And he had he had done it before. And so um, 
it was really like off the side of his desk. Like he had just signed it and gave me a check. Like it was very informal. And I was, it almost made me nervous how informal it was. And the, the deal, it was like really good terms. So he gave us the 159. We were going to fund the rehab on our own. And he, um, it was 10% amortized over six months. Um, so it ended up being like less than $8,000 that we paid him in the end. Um, and, uh, no, there was no fees and we didn't have to pay him like any interest or any payments as we went. We just paid him the one lump sum at the end. So it was really, really easy. That's awesome. Um, and then for the rehab, how much did the rehab cost you? So the rehab only cost us uh, $15,000. Um, we did a lot of the work ourselves because like I said, it's really hard to get contractors right now. Um, and this was like, one of those properties that was like a gem, just like uh, it was kind of like a hoarder house. So it just looked really bad. But once we cleaned it up um, and did fresh paint and stuff, it was really just like, um, you know, um, what do they say? Cosmetic. You get all the the junk out and you. Yeah, there were some things that we. Yeah, like we subbed out a few things. Like there was a couple electric issues that we subbed out. And um, I I couldn't get a painter to save my life. And I was like nine months pregnant when we closed on this. And so and I do paint and I enjoy it. And I I think I'm good at it. Um, But I was pregnant and I did not want to do it. So I was like begging people. I ended up finding an old school teacher that uh, does it in the summer. And he's like, well, I can do it. But. Um, I only have X amount of time. And so I had to prioritize having him do the exterior. So I actually painted the entire interior myself. My husband did the wallpaper removal with me, which is a nightmare. Um, and so I also gave birth during this rehab and then had to go back. So then I had time off of my job and my husband was working and we had to get it done so we could get it rented. So two weeks post having my baby, I brought him with me to the property um, and finished it. And so I had to like set him up by the door with like fans so that he wasn't like (laughs) breathing the fumes. Like it was this whole setup. Fortunately, he was like a really chill baby and he would just like sleep. Um, And I was able to finish it and get it, uh, get it rented out really quickly. Love that. Resilience. Yeah. (laughs) So what did the property end up as? What did it appraise for and what did it rent for? Yeah. So I was like, like I said, we hadn't put a ton of money in it, into it and we got a really good, but I knew we got a really good deal. So I was like so nervous when the appraiser came, I was like, hi, how are you? Like, um, do you want to do all the work we've done here? And I was like spilling all the work and like, um, it ended up appraising at 265, which was awesome because we could easily pay back the lender and ourselves for the rehab. Um, I wanted to take out even more um, so that I could use those funds on on another property. However, because I was still new with this bank, they wouldn't let me take more than I think it was like 70% or 75%, um, which was unfortunate, but it kept my mortgage really low. And um, the the place rents for $2,000 a month and my mortgage is like less than $1,000. So um, we cash flow like almost $800 a month on that one random property. 
That is absolutely amazing, Amanda, and, and love hearing like these are the stories that people don't always hear, right? They see the they see the the unit count, they see you went from zero to six in less than two years, but they don't hear the stories of you taking a two week old baby with you to, to paint this new unit, right? Those I don't the, recommend that, the, by the way. Yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> but it but it worked out. So all right, as we wrap things up, Amanda, I want to take you to our rookie exam. Uh, these will be the three most important questions you have ever been asked in your entire life. Um, so are you ready for the exam? I guess I'm ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> All right. So first question, what is one actionable thing Ricky should do after listening to your episode? Yeah. So I am in a um, business coaching group here in Maine. It's actually called Success Doesn't Come to Chicken. So um, really interesting type of coaching group, very aggressive. Um, but the guy who runs it uh, had us do like this really cool activity where basically you write down, you just start going, you write every single thing about your perfect day. Like, where are you? What time do you wake up? How much do you work? What are you doing for work? Where's your family? Like, And you just make this perfect day and then you um, work backwards from there. And so every day when you're making decisions on what you're going to do, you have that vision in your head of what you want to do. So you take small action towards getting to that goal. Um, and so it's been, you know, pretty life changing for me. And I recommend it to anybody um, who maybe wants to do something different with their life. That's great. I really like that. Um, it's taking it one step further from just like, okay, what's your goal is like, okay, I want to, you know, cash flow $10,000 a month, but actually taking that vision and it's like having a vision board and then building it backwards. So our next question is, what is one tool, software, app, or system in your business that you use? A couple. So I use, um, I do use apartments.com um, for my long-term rentals. Um, but I did just start using for my short-term rentals, um, a syncing, it like books the different, or it syncs the different booking systems. I know there's a bunch of them. The one I use is called Logify. Um, and the reason why I really like using them is because their customer service is really good. And when I was trying to get started, they were just having Zoom calls with me. I've had like a few different hour long Zoom calls that they recorded and sent back to me that I was able to share with my sister. And they really walk me through exactly how it works. And not only that, but I had set up Airbnb because I just wanted to get it going right away. And then I set up Logify and Logify set me up on Verbo and booking.com. And so I didn't have to do any of that. They took the information and like set those up for me, which was really cool. Um, and took, it was a ton of work that I didn't have to do setting those up on those other systems. Um, and they also have really good um, auto messages. I, they don't take a fee. I pay like a one time, once a year annual fee, but then they don't take a percentage um, out of what we make, which is really cool too. So I found it to be a good awesome. deal. I haven't tried any others though, so I'm not totally sure. Um, and then the other thing that I really like that I use is, um, mile IQ. Hmm. So that tracks my mileage. And then I can also categorize it because I have mileage for a few different businesses now. So if I'm going to the tree houses, it's different than if I'm going to realtor showings. Um, and so I need to be able to categorize and then my husband's on there as well. So awesome. Cool. Where, last question. Where do you plan on being in five years? I love this question. Um, I, like I said, I just talked about that like vision thing, but um, in five years, uh, well, first of all, I'll be on the Bigger Pockets real estate podcast. There you just go. Just going to say that right now. I love um, that. And 
I will be, my husband and I won't be working our corporate jobs. We'll be waking up, you know, deciding what we're going to do with our day, maybe working a couple of hours, um, homeschooling our children and having that time freedom to just up and go anywhere, anytime, when we, whenever we feel like it. That's great. Um, I love to hear that. Before we uh, wrap up, I just want to give a shout out to this week's rookie rock star, which is Ian Wilson. So in January 2021, he went full-time real estate investor, and now he has two deals under contract and is going to net their company $91,000 this month. And he said, don't give up. Your big breakthrough is coming. And we had just had um, James Daynard on a couple months ago where he talked about it took him one whole year to get his first wholesale deal done. So this is another great ex- uh, great example of this that Ian has is to just keep going and don't give up. So he had a mobile home. He, the purchase price was around 15000 The rehab, 34550 His total investment, 179000 And the sale price, 205000 And that's an example of one of the prop- properties that um, added to their company's profit this month. And that was for $25,000. So great job, Ian. And keep it up. Let's have Ian on the show, too. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell everyone where they can find out some more information about you and reach out to you? Yeah, so I'm trying to build my social media. I try to, you know, post as much as I can. Um, You can just find me. My name is Amanda Salovich, S-A-L-O-V-I-T-C-H, on Facebook and Instagram. And then if you're interested in the tree houses, it's just inthetreesmain.com. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Loved your story, loved hearing about your investing and the tree houses was really cool. We never had um, anybody come on and talk about that yet. So thank you so much for joining us. I'm Ashley at Wealth From Rentals and he's Tony at Tony J. Robinson. And we will be back on Saturday with a rookie reply. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals. Enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own.
Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.